reflecting on many amazing episodes this year. I do have a couple favorites that I wanted to push out again. So here's one of those. Don't know if you got to listen last time, but I definitely think it's worth a re-listen. Or if you didn't get it last time, here it is. One piece of advice that changed everything. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Y'all, this episode is money. Get your pen or your fingers ready to jot notes on your device because there's so much to unpack from this short conversation. It went so fast. I love the powerful learnings from Kristen Hadid and hope this is a springboard for many other opportunities to share her thought leadership to advance people. Oh yes, she is moving people forward. Let's go. All right, Kristen, I am so glad you're here today. I think the first person to mention your name to me was Zach Doms, and it was just a few short months ago. Now your name, your face, your amazing work are popping up everywhere. So excited that you're here. I feel like many of the people in our network know you or need to know you. I need to know your backstory though. So you owned a cleaning company like a short time ago. It has transformed into your business now. Like you have the same team, but you all have done a 180. So please tell us that story. Hi, Nikki. Hi, everyone listening. I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, my life certainly has not turned out the way I anticipated it would. I started a company when I was 19. So this was Gee, 15 years ago now, I was a student. I was really lost trying to figure out what my future was going to look like. I was studying finance and I started cleaning houses, never thinking that it was going to be a company. If someone would have told me at that time, this is your future destiny, I probably would have cried and begged for any other path. But long story short, ended up cleaning houses. My clients told their friends about me. And before I knew it, I had a pretty big client list. And I had friends who were looking to make money too. And so I hired them and we kind of kept this little side gig going. And right before I graduated, I got a contract to clean hundreds of empty university apartments. And so that's when it kind of occurred to me for the first time, oh, this could be a real business. And so hired a bunch of students. It was like a three-week contract. We could work as much or as little as we wanted. So it was a great gig for a student who had a lot of classes and And it was in that experience that I really fell in love with the challenge of building this company. I think we can probably all agree that cleaning toilets is not a fun job. And we had hundreds of them to clean in only, you know, three weeks. And it was really stressful. And I had this really pivotal moment where my team walked off the job. They decided they didn't like the work. I was not a good leader. I mean, I was 21, I think at that time, you know, you can imagine it was not good. And that was what sparked this desire in me to not only want to learn how to be a leader, but to really learn how to build a company where people truly wanted to be. And so that was kind of my moment where I decided this is what I want to do. And I turned down a job in finance and I decided to really see if I could figure out how to take this cleaning company somewhere and ended up leading and growing that company over 14 years to employ thousands of students. And we became known for our culture and specifically our culture of developing leaders. And I think early on in the journey, it became clear to me that my passion was not in the cleaning. I think it was the challenge of the industry that made it exciting 
but I definitely wasn't passionate about the cleaning itself. And it was always in the teaching and the developing of people that I gravitated to. And when I think about my favorite days at work, it was always the days where I was leading some kind of leadership session or teaching on a topic that our students wanted to learn about. So over time, I began to feel called there. And I think I started to see the company as a leadership development company, just that we clean toilets, you know, in addition to that. And we've been able to pivot to be fully a leadership development company today. So we sold the cleaning side of our business and I'm making it sound easy. It was a really, really hard journey. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about it in this chat here, but yeah, today we don't clean and all we do is we help develop leaders. Oh my gosh. So cool. So yes, we are going to dig into this. So I heard you say that you started to realize the days and the work that you were doing that really like tugged on your heart or like fired you up. And that was like when you were training and coaching and leadership development, can you just start to maybe bucket out or put the kind of pillars in place for the critical moments that positioned the pivot? So the evolution kind of went like this. So I was learning myself as a young leader. And I remember thinking every time I would learn something that the people in my company probably would want to learn the same thing because we were all at that point in life, you know, where, I mean, most of our team members were anywhere from 17, 18 to 22, 23. This was for many, their first job. It was like my first step in my career. And so we were all just trying to learn, like, what do you need to do to be a leader? And so when I would learn things, I would take it back to the team and I would say, Hey, I just learned about how to introduce myself at a networking event. Do you want to, you want me to teach you what I learned? And they would all say, yeah, you know, and we would have pizza and we would talk about it. So our culture of learning really began organically and then it started to become more formalized. And so we started to put together curriculum that all of our students would take before they even learned how to clean. So things like how to build relationships and how to give and receive feedback and how to build trust and how to find your strengths and things that I think we aren't always taught in school, but really determine our success in life. And the model became, while you're here, we want to teach you everything we possibly can about leadership and then launch you off into the world to go make your mark on the world. So the purpose of the company was not to keep people for years and years. It was to truly provide this launch pad to teach people critical skills and then go off and make a difference in the world. And so I got to a point where I kind of worked myself out of a job. We, the whole idea was empowering students to teach the content. And so I needed another way to make my contribution. And I started to work with local companies. I started to work with students in different campuses. And that's when I started to really notice, okay, there's something here. My heart is definitely in this kind of work. So it, it would take a couple of years, but we started another company. And in that company, we would work primarily with organizations. We would come in and help them elevate their culture. We would help them bring our leadership development programs. I was the facilitator of those things. And I started to feel like I had, like my focus was in two areas. Like I had one foot in the student-made world, which is the name of my company, and then one foot in this new speaking and leadership development business. And it was really exciting. But at the same time, I felt really torn. I I felt like I could never be fully anywhere. I felt distracted. And I think I was slowly falling out of love with the idea of owning a cleaning business, but I was so afraid to say that out loud. And I think all of that just kind of went on. I didn't address it. I just kept living life and going through the motions and then the pandemic. And I know for so many people, the pandemic has been such a huge awakening. And for me, it was like 
prior to March, 2020, I was probably on a plane 200 days out of the year. I was never home. I was always out doing this, the speaking and the teaching. So I wasn't even really giving student made the attention that I really should have been giving it and wanting to give it. And then the world stopped and it was like, okay, what, where am I? How did I get here? (laughs) You know, like, what am I going to do? Like, this is not okay. I can't keep living like this. And I'm sure Bob Chapman is a familiar name around here and lucky enough to call him a mentor of mine. And we were having a chat early on in the pandemic and he asked me this question that just totally stopped me in my tracks. He didn't even know what was going on in my internal self, but he said, what are you going to do with this one life that you've been given? And I remember sitting outside, I was like sitting out on the grass. It was this beautiful, sunny day. I was looking up at the sky and I'm like, what am I going to do? with this one life that I've been given. And I remember thinking, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not cleaning. And it was such a scary thing to like, just finally acknowledge because what does that mean when you are the leader of a company, you identify yourself as a servant leader, you have created a people first culture, and now you're deciding you don't want to do that anymore. Not not that you don't want to have a people first culture or, you know, be that's not what I mean, but you're deciding essentially that the business isn't what you want anymore. And it would take me another year to actually do something about it. Wow. So yes, Bob has been on the show. He is so inspirational. We love so much about <laughs> their teachings and his teachings. Yeah. That question, I literally got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. It's just such a powerful question that I feel is such a wonderful takeaway. There's like five takeaways already in our conversation, but that is such a, for every listener, like just to think about that because life goes so freaking fast. And the older we get, the faster it goes. And what are you going to do with this one life you've been given? Wow. So I know, Kristen, you told me on a recent conversation, there was this one conversation in your life that like changed your life, changed the trajectory. Yeah. It was over dinner, I think. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I'll tell you a little bit of the bridge between the Bob question and that conversation. And I love what you said. Like, it's such a powerful question. And why does it take a pandemic to wake us up to that question. You know, like what would happen if we reflected on that on a regular basis? I mean, it's, and I think the thing that's powerful about it is I didn't do anything with the answer right away. It's okay if you acknowledge that maybe you're out of alignment somewhere and you don't know what to do about it, but the first step is acknowledging it. And if you don't acknowledge it, then you can't do anything about it. So for the very first bit, I just sat with it and I call it living in the question. I just, I didn't know what to do, but I at least had some clarity that I knew what I didn't want to do. And I allow myself to just kind of sit with that question. And then because of the culture that we've worked so hard to build around vulnerability and transparency and authenticity, I was able to actually bring this to my team, which I know might sound a little odd. Like, how could I tell my team this is the feeling that I have? But that's the kind of culture we have. Over the years, we have worked really hard to build our relationships and our trust. In every meeting, we start with what's called a personal check-in. And we ask people on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing at work? How are you doing outside of work? We want to know why we share openly and we share how the team can support us. And this was, this is like every meeting we have. So we have trained ourselves to really consider the whole of the person to talk openly about what's working, what's not. In addition to that, we do quarterly reviews where we look at our whole business and we ask questions like on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you at work? And how would we rate our trust one to 10 and our relationships one to 10? And whenever we have a score that isn't a 10, we ask why, and what can we do to increase it when we have a 10? Why? And how can we continue that and keep that up? We have focused a lot on feedback. We 
do feedback training. We are very, very big on if you hold on to feedback and you sweep it under the rug, it's just going to hurt the relationship. It's going to hurt the trust because eventually it's going to come out and the person is probably going to be hurt that you didn't address it. And so we try to lean into feedback within 24 hours and we have different methods for doing that. But I'm saying all this because this is what went into me feeling safe to talk to the team about this. We also have complete financial transparency. It took us a while to get to that, but everyone can see every number. And so I already felt like the team knew so much about me. And I think that's what made me feel safe to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And it was at our quarterly review. We were doing our one to 10 scores. I was sharing my happiness score. I shared more about how I was feeling in conflict of what to do. And I decided to ask the team a question. I said, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your passion for cleaning? And how would you rate your passion for leadership development? Everyone said nine or 10 for leadership development and people said zero for cleaning and zero wasn't even an option. (laughs) And it helped me see, okay, it's not just me. Like we all feel this. And I, maybe a takeaway here is the power of a one to 10 question. It's such a great conversation starter because if someone says seven, it's like, okay, tell me more about that. Why isn't that a 10? And I think for us, that's been a huge way that we've been able to have some really critical conversations. But anyway, so we essentially uncover that the passion isn't in cleaning. And we went through some different ideas, having an alumni of student made take over the business. And that was the plan that we had. And I think deep down, I realized I wasn't truly letting go because having an alumni take over the business meant I would still be involved. It didn't really feel like an ending. And I think it was a safe way for me to pivot, but not really. And that was kind of the plan. And then the dinner that you're talking about. So I went to dinner with Monique, who is our chief of growth. We've been working together for 10 years. She's my thought partner in the business. So what that means is when I need a brainstorming buddy or if I need something kept in confidence until I've really fleshed it out, she's the person that I talk to. That's our kind of our social contract that we have together. And she's also the queen of giving me tough love. (laughs) And we were having sushi one night and I was saying how I just was really frustrated with the business. I, I felt like I kind of took my servant leader identity to an extreme. I felt like I was giving to everyone else. I wasn't really giving to myself. I felt like I had just kind of overlooked my own needs for so long. And that's kind of how I wound up in this place of doing something that I'm not really happy with doing and just kind of venting. And she said, I have some something to say that you might not like to hear, but I think you need to hear it. And I said, okay, what is it? And she said, the business doesn't take from you, you take from you. And it was just this, I mean, it was so true. I was the person that put myself in this position. I was the person that assumed the role of the martyr, this idea that I'm going to keep doing this, even though it's not really what feels right anymore or where my happiness lies, but I'm going to do it for everybody else. And what she helped me see is that I was not only hurting myself, but I was hurting our company because I, I wasn't willing to act with the courage to actually truly walk away from cleaning and really go fully into our passions. I was holding the company back and myself. So it was that conversation that led to the decision to sell the cleaning side and to go fully into the space. And if it wasn't for that conversation, I really think that I would still have one foot there. Mm, Wow. The power of having these peers in our life that are just so safe and transparent and really tell us the feedback that we need, right? It's like, I've read some stats on like, the amount of people in our lives that we really have that are friends. And I don't even know what the stat is, but it's like the average person has like one friend or something. And I am going to venture out and say like, 
you hear a lot at the top, it gets pretty dismal, right? When you're a leader, you feel alone and isolated and all of this. And like just a key takeaway is when you were talking about the team and the foundation that you have for everyone to be able to share safely on a scale of one to 10, really where they are, a nine or a zero, right? Or to have these conversations like relationship building. And you had mentioned, this is part of our onboarding, even before we started teaching cleaning, like building relationships and having those because this one dinner, because of that deep relationship changed your trajectory. And I know also teed up this lesson that you shared over dinner, also teed up something that you talked about today that's so big for you, which is about prioritizing filling your cup. I know that you've been through a journey on that. And if you can just share with us like what you've learned and what you do today that's different than the past about prioritizing filling your cup as a leader, but also just as a person. Yeah. When I first started the company, I read a ton of books and I knew early on, I want to be a servant leader. That kind of leader was like my vision of what I definitely wanted to grow into, but I took it too far. I took it to mean that everyone else comes first and I don't matter in the equation at all. Everyone else's needs matter and mine don't matter at all. And everyone else's happiness matters and mine doesn't. And, and I was in every sense of the way a martyr. And I did that to myself. Nobody was asking me to do that. I, it was an expectation that I put on myself. And anytime I would even consider my own happiness or think about what do I really want to do, especially in the context of work, I would feel guilty. I would feel guilty for even giving myself time to explore that question. And I would just shut it down and try to bury it. And so I think what happened for me, and especially it was in the, around the time of the pandemic, I hit a, a point of compassion fatigue. I was so tired of caring for everyone else and not myself. I was so resentful of the business, but really the person I resented was myself. And it was starting to affect my marriage. It was starting to affect the team. I remember my husband saying, I can't tell if you're unhappy with me or if you're just unhappy. And I wasn't unhappy with him at all. It was just that I was so burned out and overextended that he was now getting the ripple effect of that burnout. And the team, I remember them giving me feedback. We had a 360 review and my feedback that I heard was I was a little impatient and short and tense. And, and it was because of that built up frustration. So the transition not only did it change the company, but it really changed me and my view of what success is in leadership. And I still, you know, serve at leadership all the way, but it doesn't mean ignore your own needs. And I really believe we have to fill our cups as leaders in order to take care of the people around us. I know you're, you've heard of quiet quitting, this, the new thing everyone's talking about, and it's really probably not new. I think that burnout and overextension has been happening far before the pandemic, but I think this is the first time that we're really openly talking about it. And I think it's awesome that we're talking about it. And I think sadly, we're seeing a lot of leaders leave their jobs because of this, because we're overextended. And so those listening, I want you to know that you matter so much and your needs matter so much and put time for you on the calendar, just like you would a meeting. I think it's about energy givers and energy zappers. Like what gives you energy for me going for walks, sleeping, reading a book. I need to take some time to just have space for thinking. Like I can't have days where I'm just scheduled from morning until end of day, like with no breaks, I need space in my calendar, whatever you need, put it on your calendar, like your life depends on it because it does. And I think not only having a fuller cup, I think helps you be a better leader and care for the people around you better. 
But I also think it sets a great example for the people that you're leading. You're giving permission for people to take care of themselves. I remember this was probably maybe like a year ago. We do something in our meetings called high fives. And it's when you recognize people typically for work that's happened over the last week. Someone on my team gave me a high five for leaving work early the last week to hang out with my family. And it was just this moment of, wow, to think that someone's giving me a high five for that, meaning I didn't do that before, but also, wow, I have the opportunity to set an example. And I think now more than ever, it's so important as leaders that we're considering this. Totally. So good. Something that just came to mind. Our company, like many, has moved to this unlimited PTO. And there can be such a challenge with that in this area of filling your cup because you feel guilty for taking time off. Like it can go, one side is like, this is amazing. It's such a benefit. The other side is like, people don't take time off and the stats show that, right? Well, the other day, each of our Monday meetings with our team, we talk about any time off just to remind the team in the next two weeks that we have coming up, we just, it's part of our agenda check-in. And one of our team members, Stephanie, actually, that you had connected with, she said, yeah, I'm going to be out on the 16th. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just like taking a personal day just to like do stuff around my house and just like enjoy some time. And I was like, man, like we need to do more of that. It's like, it's not like, oh, I got this with the kids or whatever. Like just take time for you. Yes. <laughs> it, just, it actually is like bringing tears to my eyes again, like th- that, like where the workplace is allowing that and celebrating that. And yeah, yes. So if you do have an unlimited PTO, it's like celebrate people that are taking early time to go hang with their family like you shared or just a day to like hang at their house. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because we're a small team today. There's five five of us today and we have unlimited PTO and we don't take it because of what you said. And I think it's the feeling of guilt too, like of being a small team that you know when you're out, it, now it's there's only a couple other people that are able to keep up with the workload. So we had a conversation about this and it it sparked our idea to do something called break week. And every quarter we take one week where we close the company and we take a break at the same time. And what it does is it, it ensures that we're taking at least four weeks off. We take a couple extra weeks over the holidays. So it's actually six weeks off. And there's something that I didn't realize that's special about taking it at the same time, because you don't have that feeling of when you get back, you're so behind from your team and like they're waiting for you on things and we're not tempted to check the phone. And we still you know, want people to take time off in addition to that. But just thinking about, could you have a break day? Could you have a break afternoon? Can you start small? Send the message that we care so much that we're, we're going to shut it down for four hours so that we can all disconnect. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. There's been so many little glimpses into your culture that we're learning from and I'm taking notes on. I love that. I wanted to dive into the transparency part because you had shared during the journey and the change and all that, you're like, we are completely transparent. Every number is open book and all of that. Can you just kind of share the journey to getting there and what that really looks like for that just complete open book transparency? Well, the journey started out of pain. So when I started Student Made a couple years in, I started to take out loans and the company was in a lot of debt and I was in over my head. I didn't know what I was doing And I didn't know how to let people in to that. And I didn't want to create fear. And it got to a point where it felt so overwhelming and I was keeping it all to myself. And it was like, I don't know how to explain it, like just heavy. It just felt heavy all the time. It was like going to bed with it, waking up with it. And I couldn't take it anymore. And so I remember calling a meeting with the leadership team 
And I told them, we have debt and I really need help to figure out how we're going to make a plan to figure this out. And I remember putting the number on the whiteboard that of our debt. I, th- I can't even remember now what that number was, but it was definitely a six-figure number. And I remember their faces looking at this number and it was like, how could you have not told us this? It was a really tough time in our journey because I think I lost a lot of trust because I didn't let them into this. And the truth is I was afraid. I didn't know even how to start the conversation. I didn't want to cause fear. I didn't, it felt vulnerable. It felt, I had, there was a lot of shame. It was so much that went into it. So I learned a really powerful lesson there that it's so much better to let people in at the beginning and like talk about these things, but I didn't. And so together we made a plan to pay off the debt. We ended up paying it off five years early. And in order to do that, I had to show everything. And it was amazing. Once the team started to understand all of the pieces of the puzzle, we started making different decisions. I saw a different level of ownership and engagement from the team. I saw everyone treating this as if it were their own business. And had it not been for that, we would have probably never gotten out of that place. I couldn't have done it alone without a doubt. So today, what it looks like is we do a profit sharing model. Everyone on the team knows exactly how their compensation grows as the company grows. And we make all the decisions together. We've agreed on the profit sharing percentages for each role. We have everything available at all times if anyone wants to look at the numbers to see where we are. And I really think it leads to better decisions and more engagement. And I think about as a business owner, I can't deny that one of the best parts of being an entrepreneur is I know that the more the company grows, I'm going to grow along with it financially. And I think the same should be true for everyone. Like how cool if you know that the work you're going to, the work that you're pouring in is also helping you in your life in an impactful way. And so we just, we have a philosophy that when the company wins, the team wins. And it's taken us a lot to get to where we are today. And there was a lot of fear. And I think if you're looking for where to start, pick one area where you can just be a bit more transparent and see what kinds of decisions you'll make together. And I think that will lead you to just peel back the curtain a bit more and more until next thing you know, everyone knows everything. Mm. Was so awesome and so inspiring. (laughs) So before we take a break, because gosh, this time goes so fast, just like life, what I mentioned earlier. Before we take a break, can you tell our leader listeners, how could they learn with you all? How could they engage with your team? Like, what are some of the things that you all offer? Sure. Yeah. So we have our human leadership program, which happens a couple of times a year. It's a public program where we teach six components of leadership. Our next one is happening November 2nd and 3rd. And we have 350 leaders from around the world that come together and we dive into mindset, we dive into relationships, communication and feedback, growth, self-care and impact. And we also work privately with organizations. So if there was something that you saw there that you wanted to bring to your team, like we could totally do a private event, but our human leadership program is probably the first and best place to start. And you can learn about it at kristenhadid.com. And there's a page for the human leadership program. Awesome. And I think we've got the link to that and we'll have that in the show notes. So awesome. Highly encourage people to check out all things Kristen Hadid. So Kristen, we have been growing this book list of every guest since we began almost five years ago. It's this massive book list. And here's the question. If you were to pick one book, one book to recommend to our leader listeners here, maybe a recent read or something that changed your life, what book would you choose? Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. It was one of the books that influenced me the most in this decision to change the company. And 
the metaphor he uses in the book is we all have a rose bush. Our roses are our strengths, our passions, the things that we want to bloom. And if we really want our roses to bloom, we have to have the courage to prune the bush. Oh, so good. And make the endings that are necessary. So so good. I just jotted that down because I'm going to get that on Audible ASAP. (laughs) All right. And how about what is one thing that always makes you smile? So I have a shoebox. And over my entrepreneurial journey, anytime I have a memory or like something special that makes me smile, I put it in this box. And on the days when I question why I do what I do, on the days when maybe I want to give up, all it takes is looking at through the box for like 30 seconds and I'm back on track and reminded of why this work matters. I love that. Hey, everyone consider starting your own shoebox. That's (laughs) awesome. Okay. And just a little bit more deep here. What do you wish you would have spent more time doing five years ago? Listening to my heart. I wish I would have given myself the permission to really hear myself instead of trying to bury those thoughts and whispers and feel guilty about them. Because I do wonder like what would have happened if I had had the courage to step more fully into this five years ago. And I try not to live in the, because there's nothing we can do about that. But yeah, I just, I wish I had had the courage to actually listen to what my heart was telling me. Mm. I always say the shower moments that people talk about a lot, they're like, "It, it came to me in the shower. It's like so much is within us. If we just took that time, it's in our heart, it's in our mind. And just taking that time ties right into your filling the cup, taking time for ourselves. It's like so much of that is right there. Totally. So thank you so much for the time. Before we go, can you just share the best way for listeners to connect with you directly? Yes. So my website, kristenhadid.com and every social media platform, Kristen Hadid. Awesome. Thank you. Kristen, I so appreciate the time. You're such a light. You are such a gift to me and to all of our listeners. Many key takeaways. Here's my truth you can act on. Before I even go into number one, the thing that I love that Kristen reiterated was the power of aligning your role and what you spend time on working or whatever you're doing on the things that fuel you and fulfill you. Like that's just a baseline. I'm not even going to give it a number. Number one, what are you going to do with this one life you've been given? Please use that as a reflection question. I did. I spent time with my husband on it. It's so powerful. And she got that from her mentor, Bob Chapman, who's another guest that's been on the show. Number two, consider starting your meetings like one-on-ones or small group meetings with a personal check-in and use a scale of one to 10 to get in a, a true understanding of where people are and get used to that and really lean into that number and start your conversations with those true authentic check-ins. I love that. Number three, you must prioritize filling your cup. Kristen's story is so important to help us see how when we don't do that versus when we do do that, what the difference is like. We all have had times in our life where we've let our cup run dry or regularly poured into our entire life wheel to advance ourselves in feeling fulfilled. We have to do that. So if you are wondering what I mean by life wheel, just search through episodes. We talk about that a lot, but it's your whole life. And what are you doing to fill your cup in every area? There needs to be an action at all times and evaluating what it is that you're doing. And number four, I love this idea consider a break week. Oh, we are going to be working on that with People Forward Network. I can't wait to bring that to our team in Q4 to plan that in 2023. But plan a break week where everyone is off in the company. No one feels pressure about the Slack messages or emails. And you can just 
take time as a team to rest and rejuvenate. I love it. Kristen, I want to work with you more. We will hopefully see you again soon. Thank you so much. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.